Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of February 3rd through February 9th. Hope you are all doing well out there today. Um, we are going to be discussing a few planetary ingresses or planets that are changing signs this week, including Mercury moving into the Jupiter ruled sign of Pisces, its fall and its exile. One of the, the rare or actually the only place where a planet has both fall and exile in the same sign. Uh, we are going to be speaking about Venus moving into Aries, which is also its exile. It, of course, being the domicile of Mars. So there's a little bit of a, a challenge uh, getting the resources that Venus likes to get, which to create harmony when she is in the house of the warrior. Um, we're going to be talking about a Venus sextile with Mars this week. Um, we're seeing a sextile between Mercury and Uranus. And then everything is leading up to a full moon um, between the moon in Leo and the sun in Aquarius on Sunday. All right, a couple new decans this week too. Venus is moving into the first decan of Aries, which has correspondence with the two of wands. Mercury will be moving into the first decan of Pisces, associated with the eight of cups. And then the sun will be moving into the third decan of Aquarius, which has a relationship with the seven of swords. Um, we will also be talking this week about synodic cycles. This is something I've been examining a little bit closer with the relationship with planets, not just looking at the aspect of the week, but where that aspect had its seed when those two planets came together. And we'll talk about that as we move along through our weekly forecast. Okay, I'm going to share my screen. The essential dignities for the week. If you are watching on the video, you can see that we're going to the inside wheel of my chart here is where the planets are going to begin, and the outer wheel is where the planets are going to end up over the course of the week. This is kind of neat because you can see some of the different planetary speeds. Uh, we have some very slow-moving planets that move only about a degree or so, like Saturn and Jupiter here. And then we have some faster-moving planets uh, like Mercury uh, go, moving almost 10 degrees over the course of the week. The sun moves about a degree so that's, that's what we're looking at here. It gives you just some kind of ideas to the relative speeds of these planets. All right, so the essential dignities for the week. The sun is going to be starting out in the sign of Aquarius, the second decan, at about 13 degrees, and it's going to end up in the third decan by the very end of the week at 20 degrees. This is a, the place of exile for the sun. This is a Saturn-ruled sign, which is sort of the antithesis to the vitality and life-giving nature of the sun. Uh, Saturn was associated with entropy, darkness, and exclusion, where the sun had the qualities of selection, of being special, of the light, of a, you know, a connection to spirit. Um, so this is an uncomfortable place for the sun this week. Uh, we may have some insights by being an outsider, uh, by being on the outside of the wall, so to speak, as we've been talking about in previous episodes of the forecast, where, you know, everything inside the wall, that was kind of a Capricorn type of experience. And when we finally venture outside the, the friendly confines, or the, I guess, I don't know if it's friendly confines with Capricorn, but when we are on the outside looking in, um, we have, you know, the advantage of having a, a, a uh, almost like a helicopter-esque uh, perspective, uh, being able to hover above uh, our lives and see everything from from a higher vantage point. Uh, 
Um, the, the downside of this is it may be difficult to figure out what kind of, uh, what kind of identity we may be trying to hold on to with the sun being in uh, a, a very scientific and objective sign. Uh, we're not going to be, it's not as easy to get in contact with, with our, our sense of identity since we may be testing out new things with, with, the, um, with the sun in Aquarius. All right, Jupiter is going to be moving through its fall in the sign of Capricorn. Uh, over the course of this week, it will be on the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees. Just going back to the sun for a minute, the sun's going to be moving from the terms of uh, Jupiter from 13 to 20 degrees into the terms of Mars between 20 and 25 degrees. Okay, so this is something where the, the rules that are going to be set for doing solar things are going to shift from a, a jovial kind of uh, curriculum with uh, the term or bound ruler being Jupiter to a martial one where we may need to take action, where we may need to sever from something that isn't uh, serving us anymore. Remember, um, Jupiter is, is the concept of confirmation and wanting to join things together. Mars wants to sever. So we may feel uh, a little bit of a difference in exploring our, our beliefs and making judgments on things towards saying, well, this is what we are not. Um, and that's one of the things that is associated with the Aquarius sun too, is defining yourself, not by who you are, but what you are not. Um, so if you are feeling a little bit of a, the, the, reb, the rebellious nature of, of Aquarius, this could be through um, rejecting something. So that could be kind of the, the, the vibe that we're, experiences experiencing excuse me as a collective all right so jupiter being in its fall jupiter is in a saturn ruled sign one of the things i've talked about with jupiter being in uh, capricorn is sometimes to expand we will need to come to terms with our limitations and maybe do things from a uh, a more frugal or more humble position remember fall was kind of like being at the bottom of the wheel of fortune um, the, the good thing about that is there's nowhere to go but up but we may have to to really come to terms with the fact that we are not at our luckiest right now. Remember, Jupiter was also associated with, with luck and with uh, abundance and things like that. And uh, we may have to work for the things that we get right now. We're not being handed anything. Uh, so that is, the I think, the way to navigate that particular uh, planetary placement. Saturn is in its own domicile in the third decan of Capricorn this week. Uh, it is in the in, in the terms, uh, it, it is its own term ruler from 22 to 26 degrees. And as it moves into 26 degrees, it will be on the terms of Mars. So it loses a little bit of dignity by moving into the terms of Mars. It, it is less uh, doing things less in a Saturnian way. I mean, it's still going to be Saturn. It, it is always going to be of its own essential nature, but it's being given the etiquette of Mars. So this could be uh, a fact kind of a situation where we are coming to terms with our limitations, but again, it's going to be through severing and through letting go of something. This is a great time to get rid of stuff or junk in your house or things like that. Um, perhaps there's a bad habit that you have, you know, recently, I don't know, recognized that isn't serving you anymore. And this could be a great time to release that. Um, anything where, where you are disciplining yourself, that, that could be supported as well. Um, Saturn member is associated with necessity, so doing the things that we ne don't necessarily want to do, but are necessary to to lead a 
uh, I guess, a healthy life or, or some of the things that we need to do just to kind of, you know, live in general. Uh, there's plenty of things as, that we do as adults. <laughs> Remember at Saturn was, you know, we, we talk about Saturn as our Saturn return as our transition into adulthood. So we can think of strong Saturn stuff as adulting, I guess, um, which isn't always fun, but is kind of the, the necessary stuff to just lead a productive life. All right, Venus is going to be moving from its exaltation in Pisces 3, where it has triplicity rulership by the daytime. You can see this at 24 degrees Pisces, where it starts out, um, where it is moving through the terms of Mars um, from 19 to 28 degrees, and then in the terms of Saturn from 28 to 30 degrees. Now, even though Venus is in its exaltation, this could be a little bit of a bumpy patch for Venus because it is moving through the final degrees of a sign where it has uh, a tougher curriculum to follow with the malefics being the bound rulers. Think of this as a, as a stern teacher and saying these are the rules that you have to follow and they're a little bit tougher than when they're moving through the bounds of a benefic uh, such as Jupiter or Venus being in her own bounds or Mercury. All right, the, the, the big news of the week though is that Venus and Mercury will be losing some of their dignity. Venus in particular is going to be losing a lot of her essential dignity when she moves into her exile in the sign of Mars, uh, in, in Aries, the sign of Mars. Uh, she'll be starting out on the terms of Jupiter, so that's a little bit of a maybe a, a boost being in the terms of a benefic for the first six degrees. Uh, but generally there might be, if you've got some, some Venus um, stuff that you want to get done, you might want to try to to harmonize with the folks in your life while Venus is still in the sign of Pisces. Venus will move into Aries on Friday the 7th. So it gets a little bit, Venus gets a little bit more uh, self-serving in that sign, a little bit more uh, subjective, a little bit more, it becomes more challenging and, and requires even more compromise to create harmony with one another because we may have some of our own self interests in place rather than uh, as much of a desire to create unity with a Venus being only given the resources that she can have within the sign of uh, Mars, right? She's, she's been giving, you know, it's like Venus is in, uh, is trying to make uh, some sort of harmonization, but she's only been given a knife and a shield uh, rather than when she's in Jupiter's sign, when she's given, you know, uh, some resources like Jupiter that are more about bringing things together. Maybe she's given a, a philosophical book or something like that, that, that people can agree on. Um, so keep an eye on that this week. Mars itself is going to be moving through the third decan of Sagittarius, which is also a Jupiter ruled sign. Um, it is peregrine and is going to be on the terms of Saturn. So Mars is going to be kind of you know, doing this like little exchange dance with Saturn this week where Saturn is on the terms of Mars and Mars is on the terms of Saturn. So they're kind of working somewhat together. They're, they're providing the curriculum for each other. The malefics are this week. All right. Uh, Mercury is going to be moving through the final degrees of Aquarius very early on Monday. Uh, and Mercury had triplicity rulership by the nighttime and was on the terms of Saturn for the final degrees. But then it's going to be moving into its exile and its fall, which, like I said, is the, the only planetary um, dignity that has both is in both its exile and its fall in a, in a particular sign. 
it will be in the terms of Venus from zero to 12 degrees. So Venus is going to be taking on a much more emotional quality, a much more um, blending details together, merging them together instead of having a very organized kind of separation quality, which is what Mercury tends to thrive on is separating things out into categories and being able to contest things. Whereas being in a Jupiter-ruled sign, it's trying to merge things together, uh, and that can create some challenges. Uh, the, the two different uh, essential, I guess, abilities, you could call it, from what I understand from my teacher, Achuta Bhavadas, um, of Nightlight Astrology, he, the, this, I learned this idea from him, very brilliant way of thinking about essential dignities is uh, Mercury is, has both exile and fall in, in a particular sign and also has exaltation and um, domicile in the sign of Virgo because he describes those dignities as being A, of the nature of the sun and Saturn, the exile, which is an opposite that is irreconcilable, and then the opposite that is of the nature of the moon, which has kind of this yin and yang quality to it where a little bit of the yin is in the yang and there's this cycle where one is flowing into the other. Um, so exile was of the nature of the sun and Saturn and fall and exaltation was of the nature of the moon. And Mercury is one of the only planets that is able to hold dualities. It's kind of a um, ambiguous, uh, uh, androgynous, it's an androgynous planet where it is able to to hold both kind of masculine and feminine qualities within it. It's able to hold the dualities and, and able to hold the dualities of exile and fall and, and the, the dualities of both the solar ruled ability or dignity and the, the lunar one. So that, that's kind of neat. And uh, the challenge is, is that when Mercury gets uh, a lot of essential dignity, it's, it's in great shape in Virgo. And, but when it is, it is ill-dignified, or, or debilitated in Pisces, it's in pretty bad shape. And uh, there are ways to use, I guess, to use this and to, to think about, I guess, to be aware of it. And I don't know if it's something that we necessarily are using to our advantage or not. It's just something where if we have an awareness of how our minds may be functioning, in this case, much more intuitive, uh, where we, it'd be more difficult to find the words for things. We may just have a feeling about something. Uh, we can recognize that we may have to be extra careful when we're communicating, that we're not communicating from strictly an emotional position or a place of inner uh, vision rather than uh, clarity. And uh, that's something that's going to be especially um, poignant as we move from uh, into the shadow of Mercury's retrograde. This week, Mercury is moving through the degrees that it's going to be retrograding back into when it goes retrograde next week. And Mercury retrograde in the sign of Pisces where it's already debilitated, that could really cause some communication uh, and technology challenges, um, commerce challenges, uh, everything that is associated with the planet Mercury uh, it will have some difficulty br being brought into manifestation on the earthly plane. Now, that isn't to say there isn't um, a way to deal with that in a, in a graceful way too. Um, one of the things I like to talk about, or well, I guess, again, this is something I learned from my, my apprenticeship in nightlight astrology was that the retrograde planets were of the nature of 
the, the primary motion rather than the secondary motion. So what we're going to be seeing is, you know, we have these two motions in the zodiac, right? Where the primary motion being clockwise, which is, is related to how the sun rises and sets over the course of a day. And then we have this secondary motion, which is the longer term, uh, the longer term motion of the planets through the zodiac. Um, and it is sort of like the planet, the planet's will. So we have the divine will, okay, represented by the sun and the solar motion. And then we have this kind of realm of fortune where things are bringing brought into being. The, the moon was the manifester and bringing things into being. So generally planets are moving in this lunar direction, but every once in a while when they go retrograde, they move in the way that the, in the kind of the primary diurnal motion, which is of, of the nature or of the will of the divine. So you can think of these retrogrades as like divine course corrections. We may not be able to manifest our personal will or our own personal planetary will, but we have to kind of let go of the oars when these kind of things are happening. If we're instead of uh, fighting the, the current, it's kind of like a current shift. And instead of kind of paddling against it and exhausting ourselves, we sort of have to let this, the, the stream take us where it wants to be. Um, these can be useful times for really getting clear about what we want. Uh, so that is the essential dignity report. The moon is going to be waxing from its first quarter phase, which is a square, to uh, the opposition, which is the full moon. So we have a waxing moon where the moon is gaining in light and gaining in energy, gaining in manifestation qualities. This is the time for bringing things into being, whereas the waning quality or the waning cycle of the moon is when we're letting go of things or finding meaning, perhaps. Uh, the moon is going to be moving through Taurus, uh, where it has exaltation, triplicity by the night, and rulership by face in the second decan, into Gemini, where it is peregrine, through Cancer, where it has domicile rulership and rulership by face in the third face, and then into Leo, where it is peregrine again. And peregrine was a, a dignity that where it was said not said to not have any essential dignity, and it was sort of a wanderer. It was kind of someone that had no home, and that was not a very great position for a planet or, or, or for a person in the ancient world. Okay, so that's our essential dignity report. So let's look at one chart here. We'll start at the beginning of the day or the beginning of the week here, and we will go to the, let's put the sun on the ascendant so we can see what's going on. All right, the beginning of the day on Monday, the moon is going to be moving through Taurus into the sign of Gemini. It enters Gemini at about 6.29 a.m. And we're going to be moving through the first quarter phase. We saw the first quarter uh, moon phase, excuse me, perfect over the weekend. And now we're kind of still working through that 45 degree section of Zodiac where we're trying to deal with whatever material crisis that arose over the weekend, right? We, we had some kind of challenge between our material reality, moon and Taurus, how we use our resources and how we may harmonize with those resources, and the sun in Aquarius, that Saturn-ruled sign, uh, where the, the sun was in its exile. We may have a portion of our life where you know we may not be feeling uh, respected. We may have a feeling of disrespect where we're feeling exiled and excluded. Uh, and this is interesting because the moon has its exaltation in the sign of Taurus. So we may have one 
you know, area of our life where we may be feeling honored for something, but that's coming into conflict with the area of our life where we may be feeling like the outsider. So that was our weekend, and we're still dealing with that at the beginning of the week here. Um, we're going to see the moon before she leaves Taurus making a square to Mercury. So this is, it's not showing up on my chart here, um, but if we clicked back like an hour or so, we could see that both Mercury and the moon are going to be in those fixed signs. So this could be one final kind of conflict between the moon and Mercury before they both change into, into different signs here. Okay. Um, so there may be some communication issues that are, are wrapped up with that, that, uh, that feeling of exile. Um, it may also be that you have an insight through, through conflict that helps you move through, through this problem and, and become a problem solver. In first quarter moon phases, you have to become a problem solver. There's some sort of external crisis and you got to use all of your wits to, to move through the challenge. All right. Um, so the next thing that we see is the movement of Mercury into the sign of Pisces. And you can see that right here. This happens around 6.30 a.m. or so. Here we go. Mercury and Pisces. And we talked a little bit about that in the Essential Dignity Report. Of course, it is in its exile and its fall um, in the terms of Venus. Now, the face that it, it's a, in the first decan, it is a Saturn-ruled face. Okay, so it is going to take on the appearance of Saturn, where we may be leaving something behind, where we are uh, excluded from something. Uh, I'm going to show you the card associated with this. I'm going to stop my share for just a second, and we'll talk about this card. This is the Eight of Cups, where in, in it we see a figure that is uh, wandering off into the, the countryside or into the mountain range, leaving the Eight Cups of Attainment behind. Um, now, this is, it follows an interesting story, and we'll talk about this, but in the last decan of Aquarius, we see a figure absconding from a campsite with, with swords, you know, kind of sneaking away, taking with them uh, something from the known and wandering into the unknown. So in the last decan of Aquarius, we're thinking about what, what we're learning or what we're taking with us as we leave into exile. And here in the first decan of Pisces, we've left and we're wandering off into the distance. We've, we've left behind what it is that no longer serves us. And that could be something where we're in search of some kind of spiritual reality. This is a Jupiter ruled sign. I, I said that we are in the face of Saturn, but when we're looking at a, a planet and moving into a particular area of the Zodiac, we have to balance out all of the different types of dignities. And they're all kind of different types of rulerships, right? We've got the, the domicile ruler, and I'll, let's share the screen again here. We have the domicile ruler. So in this case, let's think about this. We've got, here we are in the domicile of Jupiter. So Jupiter is providing the resources from the sign of Capricorn, okay? It is a sextile, so it does witness Okay, so it is able to provide resources, but it's in its fall. So it's providing from a weakened position. So this is also something to keep an eye on 
uh, this month as Mercury moves through its exile and fall. It's being provided for a host, Jupiter, that isn't in very good shape. Imagine you're staying at someone's house. Uh, you yourself are not in the greatest shape. You're, you're, you feel like you are um, in a domicile that isn't really in alignment with your essential nature. You know, let's say we've got Mercury is uh, very meticulous, okay, about the details and says, I need an order, I need a system, I need organization. And right now he's staying, he's a house guest of Jupiter, who uh, <laughs> in this case may be a little messy, maybe merging things together, maybe instead of having a very organized routine, is like, I just take things as they come, right? I just like, uh, you know. I'm too, Jupiter may be too worried about finding meaning in life to, to uh, clean the kitchen up or to get up on time. They may be lost in a, in a good dream that they're having, right? Uh, and in this case, Jupiter is in a sign that it, it's not very comfortable. It's in Saturn's sign. It's kind of not getting what it needs to, to do its job. So that could make for a, a, a difficult a difficult, challenging time for Mercury in in Pisces this this month. Um, we can think of the uh, let's see the Deccan, right? We have these these ten degree sections, Saturn. So as Mercury moves through the first ten degrees of this sign, it's going to take on the appearance, right, of Saturn, where it's going to be appearing to get rid of stuff to Saturn up, to deal with the necessities of life, feeling like they are excluded from something, okay? This, and this ties in with this feeling of exile with the sun being in Aquarius too, okay? So keep an eye out for that. Your thoughts may be moving more towards leaving something behind, uh, leaving some material reality behind in search of a higher purpose and a higher meaning. Just be very careful because Jupiter is you know, in, a, in a sign where we can get caught up in the material ambition. It's a really strange combination that we have here because Jupiter is in a very you know, material sign of Capricorn, but yet its essential nature is not necessarily to just build materially it's to find meaning right and to find confirmation of that meaning to judge something so you may find yourself going off in search of an ideal but that ideal may be rooted in some material ambition that isn't always necessarily uh the the thing that will serve you best so one of the things to keep an eye on this week all right uh the other thing to think about with Mercury and Pisces, this is great for non-linear thinking. Generally, with Mercury in a in a sign that it has it has resources too, we can we can demarcate into different um, categories, into different um, oh I don't know sections of things. It's it's a it's a contester. It's a divider. It's like um, when it's in its exaltation in Virgo, it's able able to separate the the wheat from the chafe right from it's able to say this is what stays from the harvest and this is what no longer serves us um that may be more difficult now with with mercury and pisces where we have a lot more of a challenging time figuring out the reality of our situation we're not really in touch with the reality of our situation 
as much with, with Mercury moving through this sign. We may have a dominance of right brain thinking over left brain where we, you know, this could be the way to, to navigate this effectively is to, you know, surrender to the, oh, I don't know, the more poetic Mercury. Uh, this is a time maybe where you may be thinking in vivid colors or thinking in the beauty of your words and the meaning behind what you say rather than the particulars of it. So the, the, the danger of this, though, is getting caught up in overdoing that and seeing only A, what we want to see, B, um, hearing only what we want to hear, right? And having an emotional coloration for all of our communications like a it's almost like it's a it's a it's a fog that it has to move through and that's doubly uh true with v, with neptune being here co-present with mercury too neptune being associated with fog uh so we have this really we could have this really foggy unclear communications that uh, are you know may not be based on the reality of our life so just be very careful of that over the course of the next few weeks. Um, the card that we were talking about, the Eight of Cups, was called uh, Abandoned Success uh, by the, the Book of Toth. Austin Coppett calls it the Labyrinth. So this is more about going through the labyrinth of our own minds and our own spiritual selves, our own, our own inner reality. Jupiter was the, the nocturnal ruler of Pisces, right? It was the, the nocturnal domicile or temple where we may be going off on a journey, but it may be one that's more of an inner journey rather than an outer one like we would experience in Sagittarius. Um, so, so that's another way to think about this. All right. So that's Mercury in Pisces. Uh, and this is going to be there for a little while uh, because it's going to be retrograding. It's going to be moving forward for the next week or so and then moving in a stationing retrograde um i believe when is that retrograde going to be happening that's happening on sunday the 16th so we've actually got a couple weeks before mercury is going to be stationing retrograde at 12 degrees of pisces so it's going to be moving through a few degrees and then moving back but we are what we are experiencing now and something to keep in mind is that we are experiencing the shadow of the retrograde and that is a point, which is about, oh, about 28 degrees of Aquarius, 28, 29 degrees, okay? And this is the point that Mercury is going to, it goes forward to 12 degrees, and then it's going to turn around and go back to about 28 or 29 degrees before it stations direct again, okay? So there may be some, some communications and some details that you're dealing with over the next week or two that may require renegotiation because of the cloudiness of this of the this communication right now with mercury in being in a debilitated position so look at the gemini and virgo areas of your chart and recognize that there will be some confusion in the pisces ruled area of your chart that is related to both of those houses and the topics associated with those houses and there will be it will be have its root cause or its root significations coming from the capricorn ruled area this is a great way to start thinking holistically with your astrology is you have a planet moving through a particular temple 
So there will be themes associated with that particular house and its topics. It will be affecting, okay? It'll be providing for the two places that it rules or one in the case of uh, the moon and the sun. And it will have, it will be uh, gathering resources from the planet that rules the sign that it is traveling through, okay? So you follow me with that? And that's the way you can start practicing with your own chart is just really, really understanding really well what type of topics are associated with the different houses in your chart. So like, for example, this is a Capricorn rising chart. So this Mercury will be retrograding in the third house of short journeys, um, of communication, of siblings, of anybody that you share a sense of extended family with or like share a sense of roots with. This could be, uh, you know, your ability to be a student and learning as well. This is the house of the goddess. And it's providing for the ninth house of higher education, of finding a higher purpose, of finding meaning in life, of saying, why are we doing the things that we're doing? Okay. This, this third house is like, why are we hanging out with the people that we are? Why do we have the roots with the people that we are? Whereas the ninth house is like, why are we doing the actions out in the world? That, that we're doing, right? And it's also going to be a providing for the sixth house of injury, illness, of uh, bad fortune, things that were pulling us away from unity or relationship with people, which is the seventh house. I'm doing, what I'm doing right now is extrapolating out meaning of the houses by angular triad. You know, sometimes we have these angles and then the houses next to them either are coming into the angle or moving away from it. These are called succeedant houses. These are called cadent houses. And we, we derive a lot of meaning of our particular houses from whether a house is angular, okay, in the PowerPoint, or if it's coming into power, or if it's moving away from power. So we can, we can discuss that further in a class in the future or whatnot, uh, but that's the, the Reader's Digest version of that, okay? So do that with your own chart. Practice with your own chart. Or if you need help, if it's just overwhelming and too much, schedule a reading. I'd be happy to help you with that. Um, and uh, I am available for personal readings. So just reach out and we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. Mercury retrogrades are a great time for that too. Uh, we, it, we may have a little bit more of a psychic connection or we may screw up some of the details of it. But I think that Mercury retrogrades are a great time to reflect and to review so that they could be a good time to kind of get in touch with some meaning in your life and, and a reading could be a great way to do that as well. I happen to be a retrograded Mercury person. Um, it's I have Mercury retrograde natally in my own chart and I, I tend to feel like people are sort of more on my wavelength when Mercury goes retrograde and, and it's I feel a little less misunderstood. Everyone else may be having some challenges but I, I tend to feel like things work almost even a little better for me during those times. So catch me then. All right. Uh, the other aspect of Monday is a sextile between Venus and Saturn. So you can see that that will be perfecting at about 5.01 p.m., very much later in the day. Okay. If I move forward here. There we go, right around here. Okay, so you could see that we have uh, Venus at 25 degrees of Pisces, 
making a sextile with Saturn at 25 degrees Aquarius. That is, of course, a harmonious communication between those two planets. Um, I, one thing I wanted to do with, this, with these um, non-lunar aspects is just talk about uh, the, the synodic cycle of them. Um, now, the word synod means a traveling together. So when a planet is making a conjunction, okay, and eventually we're going to see like a Mercury-Neptune conjunction. So you can see that in this chart here, right? Uh, every planet, when they have a relationship, they, they had a seed of that uh, meeting, right? And one of the things I've started doing over the last few weeks, just more in depth, is trying to trace back through my own journals the beginnings of these synodic cycles of not just the sun and the moon or the sun and various planets, but, but other planets. And that's been a really edifying exercise. That's been something that's been helping me understand the more challenging, uh, slower moving aspects um, because we can see what the seed of that was. Excuse me. So what I want to do before I talk about meaning of Venus and Saturn here is I want to talk about what the seed of this cycle was. So this is going to perfect on Monday, but the seed of this was when Venus and Saturn were conjunct in Capricorn on the 11th of December, 2019, okay? So that happened, I don't remember the exact degrees, but right around here, okay, there was some sort of initiation that happened between the two. Imagine those two planets were characters and they had a meeting. And they said, this is our agreement. This is, this is what we are agreeing to do with one another. And then as they move through the zodiac, as the faster moving planet moves through the zodiac, of course, the slower moving planet is going to keep moving, but, but much slower. They're going to come into contact again. All right. And, it, and they, it's almost like a progress report. Right. And in this case, we have the sextile, which is the almost like a crescent moon phase of their relationship. At the new moon phase, when they meet at the conjunction, that's kind of like where they get the, the karmic assignment, the divine assignment. And then they have, they're mobilizing resources to deal with it. Eventually, there will be a square between Venus and Saturn in Aries. That's going to happen on the 3rd of March. Um, but for now, there's a harmonious conversation between them. There may be resources that they have that are, are harmonizing their relationship. So I want you to go back and look at December 11th or around that period of time, 2019, to, see, to find, help you find some meaning with uh, Venus and the Saturn cycle. I know in my own, our own personal life here, like this was a December 11th was a time that uh, we joined a new swim team and uh, we you know, moved to this uh, competitive club that was a little bit more um, work. It was a little bit more challenging. Uh, it required uh, a uh, more of a commitment. Uh, and of course, myself and my daughter both have uh, Leo risings and we are Capri this happened in the Capricorn area of our chart, the sixth house. So we had responsibilities, right? We, we had new responsibilities, new routines, new structure, that, that came together right around this time. And now th this has become more established. 
uh, it started out where we we had to work our way from a from a position where we were going only a few times a week, and now there was a new position that opened up in a group that was more appropriate for her skill set, and now there is she's getting used to the routine. Does that make sense? This is a harmonious relationship between that seed cycle. This is just one example because I was looking at what started in my own life and that was the, the one thing that stuck out because that's just something that's been prominent uh, in my life is, is helping uh, you know, my, my parental role and doing, helping her with her sports and learning uh, new healthy habits with her routines and things like that. And swimming has been a great thing for that because it's, it's helped her to uh, be consistent to show up to to know that through hard work and perseverance um, you can you can bring those lessons to many different areas of your life to your school um, and things like that so I, I really like the sport of swimming for for the mental discipline that it requires it's very difficult it's a very difficult sport to do to excel at and to to, to stick with um, and as a parent it's it's required me to be more consistent with getting her places on time and to invest more of that time and figure out how our schedules are going to accommodate that and organize our lives. So, um, so yeah, that, that is one example of how this could play out in a life. And I want you to go back and look in your chart. How, what seed was, was, where is Capricorn? Where is Capricorn in your chart? And what seed was planted in that Capricorn ruled area of your chart on around December 11th? And it may be coming to some kind of, some kind of nice, uh, progress report with the sextile. Sextiles were of the nature of Venus. And Venus was something that wanted to harmonize. Uh, it, there is a coach that, that we have in this club who's very skilled and very organized and has a really great way of creating structure and um, organizing a, a more of a, a private lesson with this coach or something to help with the techniques. And I can see this playing out in the next week or so. That I can see this happening with the sextile between Venus and Saturn, right? Assistance from somebody, okay? And yeah, this is just, this is kind of a mind-blowing thing for me to, to be able to think about these, um, these planetary relationships more in, more holistically. This is, this is the beauty, I'm getting excited about this, because this is the beauty of of the sun and Aquarius right now is being able to see the big picture and see how all the pieces fit together. And for my little, uh, you know, triple Virgo brain, <laughs> I have Jupiter, um, Mars and Saturn in Virgo, where I tend to sometimes get fixated on just the little daily pieces of things. It, it's, it just feels so good to be able to contextualize it from a, a higher vantage point. And this is a great way to practice astrology because I think one of the gifts of astrology is to be able to hover above our life and see things, see events in context of the bigger cycles in life. Because then it's easier to deal with more of the challenging things because you can say, oh, well, this is just uh, part of the journey of this particular um, narrative, okay? Seeing it as a narrative in a different chapter. Some chapters are easier and where you have support, and some chapters require more of a heroic effort, right? So this could be like when March rolls around, maybe there's some kind of challenge. Maybe there's a more difficult thing that phase that, that we go through in this particular cycle, okay? So what are the relationships with Venus and Saturn? This could be discipline, sobriety and relationships, 
maybe we had a new relationship that started at that Venus-Saturn conjunction that was about working hard, about mental discipline, about Saturning up. That's what we had in our lives here. And now we have the, the Venus in her exaltation in the watery sign of Pisces, okay, making a positive relationship. This is bringing fertility to that part of the cycle. This is water feeding the, the I guess, it's always a weird combination when I say fertility and Saturn because there's really not, Capricorn is not necessarily the fertile sign, but if you can think of the, your own mental discipline as quote unquote fertility or your ability to work within your limitations, that is going to be what is watered by Venus this week. Okay. Uh, and there may be some sort of really nice, um, harmonious relationship between the partners that you're working with and your ability to create new structure that is ultimately hopefully beneficial for you in your life. All right. Um, yeah, stability is another thing that we talk about with this, stability. And that has been our experience so far with our new, uh, with our, our own personal journey is the reason, one of the reasons we shifted to the new place was we wanted more structure. We wanted more stability. And so far, so good with that. that we've definitely, definitely gotten that. <laughs> like, um, they're really great. They work really hard and everybody's very organized. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, Tuesday, the 4th, let's move forward. Does that make sense? I hope the personal anecdotes help you to see how this may play out in your own life. Um, we can only really talk from, I think that, that, that what I like to think is that I can only really share from my own experience. I mean, I try to be as objective as I can uh, with my astrology, but I'm living, I'm a human being living a life. And uh, I, I like to really examine things in, in context. And we only have our, our own um, experience of these planetary cycles and we have an external experience of them where we can see externalized events which is more in alignment with the traditional way of thinking about astrology and we have a, an, an internal experience of these planetary cycles which is more in alignment with the kind of more modern evolutionary astrology perspective um, i do think it's both i think that you, you, we have outer events and those outer events tend to create um, an inner experience. You cannot separate one from the other, I don't think. Uh, this is kind of how our senses work. We have a, an, a, an externalized event, and then we have a, an inner reaction to it. Some may argue that it is it goes both ways, and I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. Sometimes our inner uh, experience of something creates an outer experience. So it's, that's kind of the, the yin and the yang, with there's a little bit of truth in both of those. All right, Tuesday the 4th. Uh, moon is still in Gemini. It, we're still in the first quarter phase. We have two aspects this day, uh, lunar aspects where the moon in Gemini is going to be making a trine to the sun in Aquarius. So you can see this here. This is an air sign trine. So there may be some really good ideas that come up to you that come to you uh, based on uh, your ability to see the, the bigger picture, to rise above your life and see how all the pieces fit together. Now, the only challenge I could see with this is that the moon is going to be provided for by Mercury newly in her, in her exile and detriment, uh, or exile and fall, so to speak. Uh, 
And this could be, this is what's providing for the moon. So there may be some details that are a little fuzzy. Uh, this could be, though, where you have some inspired communication that is more rooted in finding meaning rather than just the details of the speech. Uh, this would be a great time to write in your journal and, and to really like be in touch with how uh, your mind is connected to the universal whole. So with the, with the lights being in this positive relationship, this is a sextile as well. Now, in the synodic cycle of the sun and the moon, we had that new moon here, right? We had the, uh, the first sextile that happened when the moon was in Aries. Then we had the square that happened when it was in uh, Taurus. And now we have the trine when the moon is in Gemini. So you can see that the narrative goes, you know, okay, we've got the new seed impulse. We're building support. We may have a moment where we're, we've gathered resources. We come to a moment of crisis that we can use those resources. Then we've resolved the crisis. Then we get to the point where we're perfecting. And then we get to the opposition where we, the, the, we see the, the result of that. And then we come over to the trine here, right? Okay. Then we have another square and then a sextile again. So that's kind of the narrative that we see with, with all these planets and their relationships, okay? But especially with the lunar cycle, we, we can track the lunar cycle easily uh, because the moon moves so quickly, all right? And it's, it's easy to track a, a moon cycle and say, oh, I could see I planted the seed here and then two weeks later it came to fruition and two weeks after that I was able to release this and start a new cycle. What I'm encouraging you to do is just look at the greater cycles in your life in the same way. And, and try to, to uh, see how the bigger narrative of your life is playing out. The other thing that we're seeing is the moon is going to be making a square to Neptune. So again, go back to when the moon was conjoining Neptune and see what the seed of this particular uh, aspect, this particular challenge of the nature of Mars is going to be. Okay, um, and it may be an, an illusion that you had. It may be some sort of escapist tendency that you um, were not willing to come to terms with in reality. Uh, so, so take a look at that. Um, let's see. Just for my own edification here, I want to go back and see when the... Yeah, it was around Tuesday, the 28th, okay? So look at Tuesday, January 28th and say, hey, what did I start around Tuesday the 28th? It's coming to a square. Um, okay. Let's go back to Wednesday, or we're going to be here for a long time if I do this for every single one. <laughs> I won't, but I just wanted to, just trying to make my point. Uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun to do this. It's fun to see things in these contexts. Okay. On Wednesday the 5th, uh, the moon will be moving from Gemini into its own domicile of Cancer at 2.02 p.m. Uh, the moon is going to be making an, an opposition before it leaves Gemini to Mars in Sagittarius. So you can see that here. This is a trigger point. And again, this is going to be the fruition of the moon-Mars conjunction that happened uh, earlier in the lunar cycle. So take a look at that if you have a moon cycle tracker. Um, the moon is going to be making a sextile to Uranus after it moves into, oh, sorry, let's go through the lunar aspects first 
with the moon in Gemini. So it's going to be making an opposition to Mars and Sagittarius and then making a square to Venus and Pisces. Okay. Now, here is the other thing to keep in mind is these things do not happen in a vacuum, right? When we have the completion of the fruition of one cycle, we may be having the a, a challenge or a different phase of another cycle. This is, this is kind of neat. This is like little dials. They're, like think of a watch that has multiple dials and they're all turning and they're all in a different uh, phase of a cycle. And we may be having the crisis point of one and the, the I don't know, the, the, the smoother road of a different cycle. And that's the beauty and the complexity of, of, of these astrological things here and of life in general. Is it's not just, you can't think of things one at a time. You have to think of them as this like painting where all the colors are flowing together and where we may have, you know, we may be on one point in the road and in one particular area of our life and we may be at a culminating point at a different area of our life. So uh, here we are seeing the opposition between Mars and Sagittarius and, Ven and the moon in Gemini squaring Venus and Pisces. So this is a mutable kind of T-square energy that's happening here where we may be uh, really struggling to figure out things through a lot of different options. So we may, maybe really dealing with uh, figuring out the reality of our situation and trying to make a decision that uh, could give us some anxiety. Uh, anytime I see mutable, you know, T-squares or mutable oppositions, it's always like there's a, a too many, we've got too many things, too many irons in the fire. We've got too many challenges coming up, too many things that we're dealing with that are pulling us away from a PowerPoint, so to speak. Uh, remember, mutable signs were sort of like Caden houses. They're pulling us away from a season or a PowerPoint, okay, or moving towards one. So it's about movement, all right? Okay, when the moon moves into Cancer, it will make a sextile to Uranus. Let's take a look at it here. Okay, so there we go. We've got our sextile to Uranus here. And then in the evening, uh, it will make a trine to Mercury. So this is a really watery, a watery night on Wednesday. We might be having all the feels. We may have to do something in a new and innovative way. Uh, but these are positive, supportive aspects, trines and sextiles. So uh, our new, our, we may have a good intuition on how to bring something into manifestation uh, on Wednesday evening. So that's something to consider. The non-lunar aspect that we have of the day is Mercury making a sextile to Uranus as well. Okay, so if we think about all those lunar aspects in context of this bigger one with Mercury making a positive sextile to Uranus and Taurus, then we can see how the moon is going to be just triggering those points. Okay, so remember the moon is like that, that uh, music box cylinder that has little spikes on it that are triggering the tune notes of these, these other planetary uh, ingresses. They, it gathers light from one planet and transfers it to another. Uh, it's all about movement and manifestation. So just to give you some context with the Mercury-Uranus sextile, this is sort of the last quarter phase, so to speak, uh, or the, the balsamic phase. It's a sextile. So Mercury is moving back into a conjunction with Uranus. 
So we're kind of wrapping things up in this Mercury-Uranus cycle. Uh, the initiate, initiatory conjunction of this particular cycle was on May 8th of 2019 in Taurus. Uh, it came to opposition uh, on October 6th, 2019. And then we had a last quarter square on the 17th of January. So hopefully if you can go back and pinpoint those dates and then see what lessons you can glean from them, this is a great time to, uh, for this particular Mercury-Uranus cycle to say, what have I learned from a, a new way of doing something? What, less, what worked? What didn't? What kind of challenges came up at the square that showed me that this part of this was not working and this part maybe was? And how can you release and incorporate things for the next Mercury-Uranus conjunction that happens on the 30th of April? So right in the springtime, we're going to get a new, new karmic assignment for Mercury and Uranus being together. They're, they're a new, there's a new meeting, okay? And Mercury-Uranus stuff is kind of about innovative ideas, uh, communications that may be eccentric or maybe a little bit um, off the beaten path. Uranus is wanting to bring some sort of something new. It was the Promethean energy of giving a gift to society. It was also breaking down old structures. So there may be some old structure that was broken down that uh, is required uh, some mercurial dexterity to navigate, and now we're uh, able to kind of see how uh, how that was working out through the course of the cycle. Um, so yeah, April thirtieth, twenty 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 is when we're going to get the new one, and we may feel we may feel a little bit like we're wrapping something up uh, with with whatever started on the eighth of May of last year. All right. Let's move forward to Thursday. On Thursday the 6th, we are still in the waxing gibbous phase. Okay, so we, we moved from the first quarter to the waxing gibbous phase on Wednesday. And we're continuing to move through that gibbous phase, which has kind of got a quality of, of perfecting and analyzing and, and changing details uh, so that when we have the full flowering of whatever we started at the new moon, that it, it's, it, it's fully functional, okay? So we've got this kind of analytical quality to this moon phase. So what better way to analyze than to have an opposition with Jupiter? <laughs> I don't know if that's the greatest analytical um, aspect, I mean, it will give you some feedback on how you are using Jupiter in your life or how Jupiter is manifesting. This could be a moment where you have some, uh, some sort of conflict between the, the more domestic side of your life with cancer and the, the way that you're using your energy out in the world and your ambition and building quality with Capricorn. Uh, or it could, you know, something good could come to you where you're having to balance out these two things. Um, generally, contacts with benefic planets aren't necessarily bad. Um, there are many ancient authors that say that we can still glean some good from that, um, but there is some disagreement on that. The other aspect of the day is the moon will be making a trine to Neptune. Okay, 
So another very watery uh, relationship between these two planets. We've got the moon in Cancer and, and Neptune in Pisces. So this could be a, another evening where you feel like escaping. This could be good for some escapism, maybe going to a movie or wanting to transcend something. Maybe there's a conflict that came up in your life, but you're willing to rise above it. Uh, that's another thing where if we're using, um, using, if the planets are using us properly, using us, <laughs> like, uh, we, we may be able to um, find a more spiritual perspective to some kind of mundane challenge that we have with, with the moon making contact with, I'm sorry, with uh, Jupiter and Capricorn. All right. On Friday, the 7th, let's spin the wheel. Keep on spinning the wheel. I think I had Wednesday on the chart, but you could, you could see that the moon was starting to come into that opposition, right? Yeah, and there it is perfecting at about 14 degrees. And then the trine will perfect it at about 17 degrees. That's the beauty of, of whole sign house astrology. Those aspects are uh, active when the planet moves into that sign. Um, so we could still kind of see the relationship between them, even if we haven't seen it perfect or become exact. All right, Friday. Let's look at Friday. Okay, Friday the 7th, moon will be moving from Cancer into the sign of Leo at 5.44 p.m., waxing gibbous phase. We're still not completely full. The moon does not become full until Sunday. Um, but we are going to start to see some of the themes of the full moon emerge as the, the moon moves into Leo. Um, this day may be a little bit more challenging uh, than the days before because we're going to be seeing the moon making contact with these more heavy uh, planets, heavy slower moving planets, Pluto and Saturn. Okay, so we have an opposition between that. So there may be some challenge bringing something into manifestation because it's meeting a no or, or meeting a, the, the lord of the underworld, so to speak. So we may have to have a, a, a lunar conversation with something that is deeply buried inside of us or some corruption may be exposed that, we, that creates uh, a limitation or that makes us feel a little bit demoralized or depressed with the contact with Saturn later in the day. Uh, actually, this happens, the, the opposition to Pluto happens first. But now, as Saturn and Pluto came into their conjunction, as they were leading up, when we had the moon triggering this, it would trigger Saturn first and then Pluto. So we had kind of this like limitation, then cleansing kind of thing in the order of operations. Well, now they're reversed. Now that Saturn is past Pluto, we've got something from the underworld coming up and maybe we have to, you know, create some structure from what came up or, or release something from that. And they're sort of close enough that they're still kind of working together. But I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. And, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out now that they're um, separating from one another. Uh, the, when the moon moves into Leo, uh, it will make a trine. Let's take a look here. It will make a trine to Venus. Okay, there we go. It's trining Venus that is newly ingressed into Aries. I don't know if I should say yay, but <laughs> like, 
<laughs> that was my first instinct. Uh, but I don't know if it really is a yay. So two things are happening concurrently. We have a trine between the moon and Venus, and then a square between the moon and Uranus. And those are happening pretty close to one another because they're within two degrees or so. Um, so this could be something where uh, there is a positive connection with uh, the fire sign ruled areas of your chart, uh, but then it may create some challenge with the Taurus ruled area of your chart. Okay, see how we always have kind of a mixed bag in life? Some good thing could create some new conflict. That's how life works. It's not, there's not, never anything that's just like 100% awesome or 100% bad. Uh, it, there's, there's always these shades of, of, of gray, so to speak. So let's talk about Venus in Aries, because that'll give us some insight into what's going on on Friday. So at 3.02 p.m., uh, Venus is going to move into the Mars-ruled domicile of Aries. And this is where Venus is said to be in her exile. So whenever a planet or detriment, that's another word for it. So this is a Mars-ruled temple. And you can think of the, the beautiful goddess who all, all she wants is peace and harmony. And now she's a house guest in the unruly warrior's abode, right? She's, she's like, hey, I'm here to make harmony. And Mars is like, here's a knife. Let's, let's go to war, <laughs> like, right? She's like, hey, hey, Mars, could you give me, uh, I, I need some stuff to create agreement. And he's like, would, um, oh, I don't know. How about this dagger? <laughs> how about this, this mace with spikes on it? Uh, how about this, this torch? <laughs> Will that help you to, to, to vanquish your foes? And Venus is like, well, I'm not trying to vanquish foes. I'm trying to create some sort of, uh, you know, I don't know, deliberation with them. I'm trying to create some sort of, uh, you know, agreement. And Mars is like, oh, I don't like that. I, I want to I separate things from one another. So that, that's why we, when Venus is in th this particular sign, she's very uncomfortable. And on the flip side, uh, Venus can bring some harmony or can soften some, some qualities of Mars too, or the Mars-ruled area of your chart. So she could bring some kind of like uh, softness to either the Scorpio or Aries-ruled area. Um, but... It's gonna be. It's not gonna. It's not gonna come without some challenges. Okay. Um, so let's see. What is Mars doing right now? Well, Mars is in a fire sign too. Mars is in the fire ruled sign of, or the fiery sign of Sagittarius. And Mars wants to take action. Mars wants to do stuff. Mars says, "I believe this. I've got a belief. I've got a plan. I've got some sort of higher power that's guiding me. Let's do this." And then <laughs> Venus is like, "Well." Uh, what type of relationships do we need to have? So the, the good thing is, is that Mars is providing by a trine to Venus. Uh, that is only going to be true for a, about a week, and then it's going to be providing from the sign of Capricorn, where it is in a square relationship. Um, so this may be a very active time where we're trying to take action in our relationships, but be careful not to burn bridges along the way. Like Venus in Aries becomes impulsive. It becomes more self-focused. 
Um, Austin Coppett called this Deccan, the, the first Deccan of, of Aries, the axe. And the, this, the axes were, made, were uh, used to separate things. They were used to separate, um, I believe he speaks about separating the child from the mother. The, the, the one becomes two. Uh, this is where we have an awareness of duality. So this is where we can really feel our separateness from something. So, and that is not what we've been feeling with Venus in, in Pisces, where we're able to feel the unity of everything, not just the unity in our relationship. We feel the unity with the divine. <laughs> That's really why we could think of uh, Venus in Pisces as being exalted, because we can feel one with everything. This is like when we're, you know, asking uh, the I don't know, the Buddhists to make us a hot dog, make me one with everything, right? <laughs> That's a terrible dad joke. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you get the idea, right? Uh, and now we're going to be losing that connection. We're, we're birthing into separateness. Uh, and this could make it difficult for us to compromise. This could be um, something where we, are, we have a difference of beliefs with this Mars in, in Sagittarius and that could be fueling our separateness in our relationships. Perhaps we have a disagreement about what we really believe in our relationships, and that could be creating a little bit of some movement towards, uh, towards conflict. And this may be where we get impulsive. Venus generally is a planet that is trying to receive things. She was, emerged from the ocean uh, glowing with a phosphorescent essence, and she was adorned with, with jewels and clothing and and sense and, and all the good things in life, right? Well, when she, she moves into a, a Mars world sign, she becomes actively pursuing things. This is a danger of Venus in a, in a Mars world sign is Mars is like, go get it, go get what you want, use your willpower, you know, and that can create some real challenges in relationships sometimes. Instead of being patient, um, we have a Venus that's very um, covetous and wanting to go get things, all right? So be, just don't be too impulsive in your relationships because that could create conflict uh this could be you could have a, a desire to quote unquote go solo too this could be something where you're like i want to go off on my own and and pursue your own interest your your own aesthetic nature could be very individualistic in this time frame uh and that's I, that, that could be one way to uh, navigate the cycle better is realizing that in relationships we don't necessarily always have to like all the same things. If you have something in your life that your partner doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, is not necessarily into, instead of fighting with them about it and making them be just like you, why don't you go find something that you like to do or allow them to go something, do something that they like to do? And you can be separate and pursuing your own separate interests uh, and, and then when you come back together again, when Venus is in Taurus, you'll have things to talk about. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, this, is, this is healthy for relationships every once in a while. All right. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about with this is Venus is the concept of reconciliation and unification and Mars is severance and separation. Uh, this is something that I studied with um, you know, the Project Hindsight folks uh, in some of those lectures and some of the learning from my teacher, Achutababa, uh, is that kind of essence of both of those planets, the ambiguous essence that is birthed through these, these birth channels of the signs. Okay. Um, let's look at the two of wands here real quickly. Now, I will admit, the, wand, the, the Aries cards 
I don't know. These are ones that still are a little bit, uh, they're still percolating in my brain. Here we see a figure that is holding a globe and holding two wands and seems to be formulating a plan. Uh, maybe he has a new desire that is being born and he's starting to plant some sort of spring-like seed into the ground. Uh, in the second decan, we see someone who is, has sent his ships off into the world. And then in the third decan, we have the celebration of the completion of an auction. Um, I have an upcoming lecture at the Great Lakes Astrology Conference, uh, which is going to be in the beginning of July, where I'm going to be talking about the connection between um, the Thema Mundi and uh, the, the tarot. And this is something that I started to just kind of see some correlations between some of the, the meanings of the, the houses and the pictures on the cards. And there, I've seen other people do relationships with the the areas of the zodiac, but I, I hadn't seen people connect those two things, and I'm still formulating some of these things in my brain. But the the house that was associated with Aries in the theme of money was the tenth house of of outer action, of taking, um, you know, of praxis, of taking action out in the world. And we could see like this person's contemplating taking an externalized action. In the second uh, decan, he sent his ships out into the world, and in the third, there is this achievement and celebration. So I, that, that's kind of a neat narrative that we can see in context with this card here. Um, this card was called Dominion. Okay, so he's surveying his 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 lands and trying to formulate a plan that maybe maybe new, maybe innovative, maybe pioneering, uh, maybe something that is separate from the herd, maybe something that is saying, okay, I'm going to create a new individual identity through, through whatever action I'm taking out into the world. Pioneering spirit. All right. On Saturday. So that's Venus and Aries. Take a deep breath. Go do some exercise. Uh, try not to be too impulsive, but you need to do something physical. Maybe that can help you burn off some steam or whatnot. Uh, those are things that could help. There are no exact aspects on Saturday. Uh, which is rare. Now, that doesn't mean that there's, we're not feeling stuff. Um, you can see like there are planets that are still in contact with one another. Okay, We are still seeing uh, the beginning of this full moon. One thing to keep in mind is the moon is now said to be under the bond on Saturday. It's within a 15-degree range of either an opposition in this case, it is the opposition or the conjunction, okay? And that's sort of a weakened position for the moon. So it's a little bit more difficult to bring things into manifestation. It, the, the moon is like being kind of burned up by the heat of the sun. Uh, it's not a comfortable place for the moon. Um, so it may, be, may feel like we're having trouble uh, bringing things into being. Uh, that's true at the new moon where we, we get the, the impulse, we get the whatever was started, but then it takes a while for it to emerge from under the beams to gain some traction. And here we may see, uh, we may feel um, the culmination of that new impulse that we had at the new moon, but it may take some time to process it. We may see the event, but as we move forward through the cycle and it escapes the beams, we may be able to say, oh, we can contextualize it and see what we're really supposed to, how we're supposed to deal with it when the moon escapes that bond. So give yourself some time when the moon is under the bond, just to just to be an observer. Just to, I, I'd say just to be aware of 
what is happening. You don't necessarily have to do anything about it, I think, when the moon's under the bond. And you wait until the moon escapes the bond to figure out more, more of an action. And we have to think about the first aspect that the moon is going to make after it escapes the bond to see whether this full moon is going to be something that is a little bit more, uh, more challenging or something good. So let's take a look. So we're going to Sunday here. And we'll back up to the moment of the new moon. Oops. The moon, new moon is going to be happening at 20 degrees of Leo, opposing 20 degrees of the sun in Aquarius. You can see that right there. I'll get my notes here because I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, so the first aspect that the moon is going to make as it escapes uh, the, the bond. Uh, let's see. Actually, I have to move this forward by a day or so just to figure this out. Do, do. So outside of that 15 degree section, clicky, 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 all right. Around, oh, I don't know here. Yeah, that's about it, somewhere around there. So the first aspect that the moon is gonna make, to me, looks like an opposition with Mercury after it escapes the bond. That could be hairy. Uh, <laughs> that could be a little hairy because the details, the details are gonna be a little fuzzy. Um, so just take your time with uh, trying to figure out how to how to put whatever uh, comes to light at the the full moon into action because you're gonna probably you might not be as clear headed when you're thinking about it. All right, let's go back to that full moon here and and talk about it. I want to talk about it. There's some joke in there. There's another dad joke about Nacho that's feeling bad. And you're like, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on a roll with the dad jokes today. I don't know what it is. Um, okay. So the full moon is going to be happening around 2.33 in the a.m. Let's go to the exact moment. 2.33 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Boom, there it is. And just as the sun and the moon have ingressed into the third decans of their respective signs. So we need to kind of get an understanding of those third decans. We need to understand what the moon and the sun want uh, and how this is a culmination of a particular uh, cycle. So first of all, let's look at the sun moving into the third decan of Aquarius. Uh, we, we know that we have the... Uh, the sun in a Saturn ruled sign. So it, we are in the domicile of Saturn. Okay. And here the moon is in the domicile of the sun, which is interesting. It's sort of a, a, a reception between them. So, you know, the sun will be, I'm sorry, the Saturn will be providing this. Uh, uh, hold on. My brain is shorting out here. We're getting into that Mercury retrograde shadow earlier than <laughs> we thought. <laughs> I'm going to go off that track for a second. And so we've got the sun in a Saturn ruled sign, and it is going to be in the uh, face of the moon. Okay, so it's going to take on the appearance of the moon in that third decan. And we are seeing a card 
that is called the Seven of Swords. And in it, if you could see on my little thing here, my little screen, uh, we have a, a figure that is absconding from the campsite. And we've talked about this with Mercury, but this is, this is all about uh, leaving something behind, leaving something that is known behind, taking with you what you can learn from it, and making a new start. Now, on the flip side, the third decan of Leo is ruled by the Seven of Wands. And here we see kind of an opposite energy. We see the uh, Seven of Wands, a figure defending his turf and, and having the courage or whatnot to, to say, this is, I've established this identity. I'm going to defend it with my wands. And it, this is a Mars rule, Deccan. See that? Okay. Conflict. We're leaving something behind. We have movement with the Lunar Deccan, and then we have some sort of defending quality with Mars rule Deccan. So to me, I think that this uh, opposition between the sun and the moon, this full moon, is about uh, identity and figuring out what you need to leave behind and what you need to defend and figuring out what, who, who am I? What is it that I need to uh, keep in my life? And what is it that I need to take with me into this new uh, pursuit of something that is, is new, unknown, uh, maybe mysterious? Uh, and uh, this could be something where you are having to figure out whether you should be courageous or whether you should um, let something go. I wrote down courage versus cowardice, but that's, and that could be a theme that comes up, but leaving something behind is not necessarily uh, coward, cowardliness uh, or cowardice. Um, I believe that's how you say it. I feel like I'm saying something incorrectly there, but uh, sometimes the, the most humble thing to do is to leave the fight. So I, I think that this is going to be uh, trying to figure out whether something is worth fighting for or not. Uh, or knowing when to quit. And I don't think there's any shame in that. I think that there are times where you need to defend your position and you need to hold your ground. There are other times where it makes the most sense to sever ties and to leave something behind. So I want you to look at the Aquarius and Leo ruled area of your chart. And this is where the, the, this, is, this manifestation may come about. Now, you may be in this, this is a, just on my screen here randomly, this is a Sagittarius ruled ascendant chart. And the place where you may be leaving something behind is your local community. And you may be moving and defending your belief system. See that with the ninth house moon there? So it's like, okay, you may have some neighbors and you may have a disagreement about the, the grander things in life. Okay, or may have a sibling there, like, I don't really agree with you. And you're defending your position about your beliefs and who you are and your identity. But that may make you feel like an exile within your local community. Uh, so let's do one more. Let's say you have it on the first and the seventh house, right? You may be defending who you are as a person. And that may be f making you feel like an exile in your relationships and in your partnerships. You may have a disagreement in a partnership because of asserting who you are as a person and defending your sense of self and your personal identity 
and that may rock the boat a little bit in your relationships. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was another note I had defending turf versus wanting to escape and only you are going to be the, the judge of what is right and whether you're going to need to defend that, that position uh, to the bitter end or whether you're going to need to let it go. And the answer sometimes will change with uh, the, how far along we are in the narrative. This could also be the conflict of pride versus humility. Uh, generally, when things are in Saturn ruled signs, Saturn is trying to humble us and make us do what is necessary. Uh, the sun is, could be a, a manifestation of the sun. If it's too strong, could be pride and saying, this is, I am this and I'm not going to, this it's the king, right? It's the solar king. I'm not going to humble myself for anybody. Uh, so that could be a, a, a challenge too in those two areas of your chart. If we come at it from another direction, the sun is associated with the quality of selection and inclusion and Saturn being exclusion. Right, so now we. This is interesting, though, because we've got the planet of selection and inclusion in the planet of in the sign of exile and 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 uh, and exclusion. So it's like we want desperately to be included in something, but we're not we're not getting that. We're not getting that from where the sun is right now, because it, it is it is only being provided for by a planet that can only give us a feeling of exclusion and of being the outsider. So this may be a time where we have to, to really start to feel our own sense of self rather than looking to the group for that sense of identity. Does that make sense? We have to get in touch with our own inner, uh, you know, I, like personality, inner light, inner knowing, inner divinity, because we may not be receiving that from, from the group, okay, or the outsider. I think that's an interesting way of thinking of this full moon too. Uh, you may also need to subsume your own personal identity for the good of the group or the good of the whole. And that could, could lead to some challenges because you may not want to. You may be like, well, I don't want to give up my individual light for the group, but that may be also what's required in this. Okay, um, So it's going to be both. Uh, the third decan of Aquarius talks about objectivity, talks about lack of attachment to identity. Uh, it could be um, the danger of becoming too detached. It could be difficulty participating in life. If we take too scientific of an of a, um, approach to life, we tend to lose uh, touch with who we are as a person. If, we, if we're constantly just treating life as a scientific experiment and not getting involved, that can create problems too. Um, the other thing that I think is really neat about this is uh, Austin Kopic talks about a growing disgust and frustration with things with the sun and the third decan of Aquarius or the third decan of Aquarius in general. And I love that, that he, can, he talks about being defined by what we are not based on instead of being defined by what we are. Generally, when we have things in the Leo, okay, the Leo uh, domicile, we say, this is me, I am. Here, this is, I am not. Okay? Cool. That'll be a really great way to think about this full moon is the I am versus the I am not. And getting really clear on that. Sometimes you can only know what you are when you are able to reject what you are not. And no shame with rejecting what you're not. We're all 
different people. We're all different beings. I mean, there are, of course, there are ways to do it that are healthy. And then there are ways to do it that are trying to dominate someone else or, or this is the thing. Can you say, my thoughts on this just spiritually are, can you define who you are and who you are not without taking power away from somebody else? Can you say, well, I'm not this, but it's okay that you are that, right? You don't have to be something to respect someone else's right to be that. Does that make sense? That's good. That's good. That's a really good meditation for this full moon. You don't necessarily have to take someone else's power away or right to be something just because you define yourself as this. Okay? I think that's a a really good uh, thing that I should leave you with on this, um, on this full moon experience. Should be a good one. This one's right on my ascendant. Yay. (laughs) It's <laughs> right over the ascendant, descendant axis in my chart and right on my nodes. So maybe I'll have an update for you. <laughs> Hopefully I'll survive it. It'll be fine. We're all, we're all going to survive. Sometimes things are more, um, sometimes certain uh, aspects and lunations and, and transits are affect us more personally than others. And sometimes some pass without as much, uh, you know, as much of a outer um, event. So, you know, that's life. It's, it's all one big, one big dance, right? Okay. Uh, other aspects for this day, uh, if we want to talk about what's involved in this full moon here. Mars is trining the full moon and sextiling the sun. Okay. So there will be a, a little bit of a martial quality to this too. We may want to take some action based on this opposition. And then we've got this sextile here. So we may be feeling really fired up at this full moon and say, I got to do this. I believe this. I have these belief systems and I am defined by my beliefs. I'm going to go do something about it. So that could be part of the, the vibe that we have. Um, things will calm down, I think, a little bit when the moon moves into Virgo. Uh, the moon's going to be making a nice trine to Uranus. So maybe when you've defined what you are and what you aren't and you've thought about the actions that you could take, you could start to get organized as far as the details of what that looks like. Um, so you can see how it all plays out in a narrative there, that trying between, you know, the, the moon and Uranus. This is when it moves into Virgo, though, by the end of the day. All right. Sound good? All right. I'm going to stop my share here. Okay. Next week, looking ahead to the week of the 10th to the 16th, uh, I don't usually go over these, but there's not a ton of aspects happening. Venus is going to be making a conjunction to Chiron, so that's something to watch out for. We'll talk about that. I don't talk about the asteroids that much in my work, but I figured we could explore that since there's a lack of uh, a lot of aspects next week. This is kind of a, this next week might be a little bit of a, a breather, I guess, with all the stuff that's going on. Mars is going to be moving into its exaltation in Capricorn, so that will be interesting. We'll spend some time on that. And then one of the, the bigger things that is you know, more popular in pop, popular astrology is Mercury is going to be making its retrograde cycle on Sunday, the 16th, at 12 degrees of Pisces. So remember, this is the week to kind of like double check stuff because this is an area of the zodiac that Mercury is going to be, going to be uh, retrograding through, and we may have to clean up some of the messes that we make uh, from not being as uh, meticulous as we could be uh, this week. So that's what I've got. 
Uh, thank you for being with me today and, and listening. If you like these videos, make sure that you hit the like button and the subscribe button, share them with your friends. That really helps. If you want to support my work, one of the best ways you can support my work is scheduling a reading. I do have times for doing readings. Um, I really, really enjoy meeting uh, people who watch the videos and, and helping them and giving them personalized readings. We, we go in depth for about 90 minutes on, your, uh, on an introductory reading. I do tarot for your individual birth placement. I do a little bit of numerology and um, some I Ching. I tend to to, I mean, I've gotten Venus and Gemini, so I pull from a lot of different sources. But ultimately, we're using those omens to, to make a judgment on what's going on in your life and bring more clarity to it. Uh, and, uh, you know, reach out, astrology at gmail.com if you want to set something up. Uh, there's also a few links if you want to just donate and, and support future episodes of the weekly forecast and future astrological videos. Just one last thing. If you want to mark your calendars, I think that uh, Glock will be happening. The Great Lakes Astrology Conference will be happening the around the first week of July. Uh, I don't have the exact dates for that, but I'll, I'll be talking about that more. I'm going to be doing two lectures. You can go to greatlakesastrology.com. I'm going to be talking about the astrology of Olympic athletes, which is going to be really cool because we've got an Olympic, summer Olympic year coming up. And I've been just marinating in things like swimming and <laughs> like watching uh, Olympic swimming videos and stuff. So I'm sure there'll be some swimmers in there, but pretty interesting stuff seeing how some of their charts play out and, and the athletic competition. I'm really, really, that's going to be fun. Uh, and then I'm doing the, the tarot and the theme of Mundi, uh, talking about how the the tarot has a relationship with some of the house meanings based on, on the, the natal chart of the world. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Mark your calendars. That's going to be in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, in, in my, my stomping grounds here, my own home state. So uh, hopefully I'll see you then. And um, yeah, hope you have a good week and uh, just relax during the full moon. Try not to get too bent out of shape and take a deep breath and uh, we'll get through it together. All right, everyone. Take care. Peace.